increased cases and we're starting to see increased hospitalizations. We believe that that's due to the Delta variant. Over the past few weeks, we've seen an increase in COVID-19 due to the Delta variant. Now the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has updated their mask guidance and the Arizona Department of Health Services and its director, Dr. Kara Christ, who is leaving her post, is taking cue. And we will be updating our guidance to be consistent with CDC's new recommendations that um, in communities that have high or substantial spread, that all individuals, when you are indoors with people you don't live with, should wear a mask. Um, and that all K through 12 staff, teachers, and students, regardless of vaccination status, should wear uh, a mask when indoors. Some health experts are saying Arizona is experiencing another COVID-19 surge. Why is that, and how did we get here again? At the same time, schools are also returning to in-person learning, leaving many parents and school administrators with a lot of questions about what this new school year will look like. Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your co-host, Yvonne Winget-Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about the challenges that parents and teachers are facing as this new school year begins. First, we'll give a quick COVID-19 update. We'll chat with reporter Allison Steinbach about where we are with our vaccination rates and how the Delta variant is impacting the state's increase in COVID-19 cases. Allison, thanks so much for joining us. Over the past few weeks, we've seen a rise in daily COVID-19 cases, and the positivity percentage rate has also increased. What's attributing to the rise, and what areas around Arizona are there high or substantial spread of the virus at this point? Thanks so much for having me on. Um, So, yeah, you're right. There definitely has been an uptick in COVID-19 cases for several weeks now, um, which health experts are attributing to the really contagious Delta variant, which uh, recently became the dominant strain of the virus here in Arizona. So things had calmed down during May and June, but in July, we've really seen an increase in cases, um, but it's still pretty far below the levels we saw during the surges last winter and summer. Um, So experts say there's probably a few reasons for the increase, including the Delta variant, probably the main reason. Um, Also, people have been more out and about, fewer masks are being worn, um, and the virus is really spreading in in unvaccinated areas in particular. Um, And as you mentioned, the percentage of tests that are coming back positive has been increasing week over week recently. Um, CDC data this week showed that most all of Arizona has high or substantial spread, including high spread in Maricopa County and basically everywhere in the state north of here. We have two counties in Arizona currently, according to the CDC, that are not in high or substantial transmission. That would be Cochise and Yuma County. How do Arizona's COVID and vaccine rates compare to the rest of the country? Are we, for example, on track with our vaccination rates? And if not, how does the state plan on addressing that that lag? 
Our vaccine rates are a bit behind the national average, and they have been for a while, and we're, we're not at the level that health experts really want us to be at to be able to prevent outbreaks. So um, as of the end of July now, about 53% of Arizonans have received at least one dose of the vaccine, and nationally that's at 57%. Um, and one really important measure to look at is being fully vaccinated, as that's kind of the best defense against Delta. Um, at the end of July, about 45% of Arizonans were fully vaccinated, compared to 49%, over 49% of Americans. Um, so we are we are lagging the national average, and there are some states that are that are much higher than us. Um, the state of Arizona doesn't really seem to be changing its strategy for getting people vaccinated. It's more just continuing to put out messaging about how vaccines are safe, effective, free, widely available. Um, Dr. Christ, who is leaving soon, said a big thing she wants to work on in her last few weeks as director is continuing to really push out the message about the protection that COVID-19 vaccines provide. Best prevention method we have right now is to be fully vaccinated. We have made it easy and the vaccine is free. It's highly accessible in Arizona. We know that it's highly effective in preventing um, hospitalizations and deaths. And we would encourage anybody who is not fully vaccinated to get fully vaccinated as soon as possible. All right. So two-track effort of trying to get folks vaccinated and then also trying to really sort of drive home this notion that even those folks who are vaccinated need to be careful in certain situations because of this super contagious Delta strain. For people who are fully vaccinated, what do they need to know? What do they need to be worried about in terms of this more contagious strain? And might we see the research community uh, call for a booster shot with Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J? Yeah, so this has been a big topic of conversation, especially recently. And people who are vaccinated can still get infected. But I think the message that's really being pushed out there is it's less common and your illness is going to be less severe for the most part. So the vast majority of cases over the past few months have been in people who were not fully vaccinated. Um, and that's state data is showing that. Um, but the most important thing for people to remember is that the vaccines are really pretty effective at preventing severe illness. So preventing you from going to the hospital, preventing you from dying. Um, no vaccines are perfect, but people who are fully vaccinated and get infected for the most part have been having more mild cases. Um, as you mentioned, there has been a lot of talk about booster shots recently. Um, but that's still really being discussed um, between the sort of pharmaceutical companies and federal officials. And it seems like at this point, federal health officials have still not recommended booster shots and are still sort of looking into it. Okay. And at the same time, we do have the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention once again urging vaccinated individuals to resume wearing masks indoors. This obviously has been a big point of contention here in Arizona. What has the response from state and local leaders been on the mask wearing announcements and how are health experts responding? So in terms of the state, Arizona health officials, so the state health department, local health departments, they often follow CDC guidance. Um, so for example, the state health department um, earlier this week recommended those same things in terms of wearing masks indoors in areas that have high transmission of the virus. 
um, and encouraging people to wear masks um, at K-12 schools. Some Arizona cities also announced that they're going to be, um, again, requiring masks inside all city bu buildings and facilities, something that they had stopped for a little while, but they're bringing back on. And that's regardless of vaccination status. Um, I think some public health experts really saw this as, as welcome and good news um, in terms of the CDC coming out and, and encouraging masks again, given um, what people are learning about the Delta variant, which has been a real challenge in, um, in Arizona and across the nation. One of the things that I hear anti-vaccine folks invoke, especially these days, is these these breakthrough cases that we're seeing with some uh, people who are fully vaccinated getting the um, virus anyways. What is the answer to that concern or that um, effort to try to undermine the efficacy of some of these vaccines from the medical experts? So that is true that people who are vaccinated can still get the virus, but for the most part, their, their infections are going to be much less severe. Far fewer of them are going into the hospitals and very few of them are dying. I think in the state since January, it's, it's maybe 98, 99% of people who have died have, were not fully vaccinated. Um, so the vaccines really do provide that um, protection against severe outcomes, which is the, the most important part. So it seems for the most part, Allison, that people who have wanted to get the vaccines have gotten them. The people who want to follow mask mandates are doing so. And the people who don't want any of this are going and living their best lives, um, approaching this how they want, without masks and without vaccines. Is there any point on the near horizon that you can foresee some of these unvaccinated, unmasked individuals changing their minds or um, really sort of taking this thing as seriously as the medical and research community is encouraging them to? I think one thing that might help um, change people's minds is really seeing how scary this Delta variant is and watching it spread and watching um, people go back in the hospital. Kind of we thought we were out of this, but it's it's really getting worse again. Um, I think more people might also get vaccinated as they see people around them who have gotten vaccinated, they're doing fine. Um, more and more people are getting vaccinated and kind of watching that play out over time. Um, once the vaccines get full approval from the FDA instead of the emergency use authorization, some people say that might also make a difference for them. Um, and I guess the biggest concern is that these variants are going to keep popping up, right? As, as more viruses around, it has more time to evolve. Um, more people to infect. And the, the biggest health concern is that there could be a variant that's really contagious and can evade the vaccines. So the vaccines wouldn't work against it, which isn't the case now. Um, but that's a big concern. And then we would sort of have to start over with the, the vaccine process. So the goal is to kind of get the virus under control now so that doesn't happen. And the way to do that is to really get more people vaccinated. Well, Allison, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for your continued coverage of this. I know you've you've been our Sherpa here at AZ Central along with Stephanie Ennis, who's our health reporter. So we appreciate it. Listeners, be sure to follow Allison's reporting by going to azcentral.com and clicking local. Where can people find you on Twitter? Thanks so much for having me on. Um, my Twitter is at Ali Steinbach and you can follow all our work on azcentral.com.
Joining us now is K-12 education reporter, Yana Kunichov. Glad to have you on The Gaggle for the first time. Thanks for having me. Can you give us a sense of what this fall semester will look like for students in terms of the COVID-19 policies that may be in place, not in place? You know, will masks be required? What are what are families returning to? So the, this fall, um, most students in Arizona that are going to be back at in-person school are actually going to be going back um, without a lot of very broad COVID protections that we saw the past year. So things like masks and social distancing, there's been a lot of shift in all of those. So the big thing is that this past summer, the state legislature passed a bill banning mask mandates um, and also vaccine mandates for school districts, which means that schools cannot tell students that they have to wear masks. So there's been some concern about that because of the rising Delta variant. Um, So what most schools that I've talked to are doing is that they're recommending masks for students um, and they're recommending social distancing, but depending on how many students come back um, and what parents decide to do, that can look really different even on like a classroom by classroom level. Yana, the state of Arizona's guidance at this point and its mandates seem to be at odds with what uh, the federal authorities are saying. Can you sketch some of that out for us? So the most recent guidance from federal health authorities is that students in K-12 classrooms, regardless of whether they're vaccinated or not, need to wear masks, which is sort of um, an escalation of sorts on earlier guidance, which said that only unvaccinated students need to wear masks. The problem in Arizona is that because of the state law that prohibits mask mandates, um, districts are not able to tell students, you need to wear a mask, even though that is what the federal health and often local health guidance says. So what we've seen is that a lot of districts are recommending masks, um, which, you know, will be then be up to parents to decide or not. And then we've also seen that there are There's been pushback from public health officials. There's been pushback from some parents who want public health guidance to be kind of the number one factor that schools use to decide what safety measures look like in their classroom. But essentially, we're seeing it's kind of an open question right now for this school year of whether it will be state law or public health guidance that will sort of be the ultimate decider on what happens in classrooms. So essentially, Governor Ducey has made this a parental choice sort of um, issue, at least here in Arizona. So what happens then if a student goes to school and is exposed to someone who is unknowingly testing positive or carrying COVID-19? Are there going to be, you know, standard sort of quarantine rules Um, like we saw last year, for example? What happens in that event? Yeah, so quarantine rules in Arizona schools, um, like questions about masking, are like actively disputed territory right now. So the public health guidance says vaccinated students don't have to quarantine, but unvaccinated students should. Um, However, in the last couple of weeks, the governor's office, the the health, uh, the education advisor from the governor's office has actually um, reached out to two districts who had quarantine policies that were um, in line with that public health guidance and said, no, that amounts to discrimination. So that nothing really 
came from that back and forth. None of those quarantine policies were changed. But one thing that we did see was that when Chandler Unified went back to school earlier in July, um, and that is the state's second largest school district, they made quarantining um, quarantining optional. So again, families get to choose when a student is exposed, whether they're they'll quarantine. So I don't, I can't say that there is any specific quarantine rules for schools in Arizona, um, but the public health guidance has been pretty clear that quarantine is an important part of um, important part of like maintaining safety in buildings. So speaking of stakeholders, uh, what about the um, uh, superintendent of public education, Kathy Hoffman? Uh, what is she encouraging in terms of mitigation efforts? And, and what has her response been to sort of the, the evolution of rules uh, guiding education this year? Yeah. Um, so Kathy Hoffman has fallen firmly in the place of following CDC guidelines and uh, kind of vocally spoken out about the fact that she feels like the governor's stance um, prohibiting mask mandates in schools or prohibiting districts from making that decision um, is essentially bringing politics into the area of public safety. So that that's been something she's she has been consistent about some of that. Um, one thing that I think is important to note is that even after the change in the CDC's guidance um, last week that Governor Ducey kind of came out with a statement and said, like, we are not changing these mask mandates. So it's not really clear where some of that shift would would come from in the coming weeks and months. All right. So I'm now going to ask you a question that I seem to be living in my own personal life. So kids who are 12 years old and older um, are eligible for the vaccine. But those under 12 are not going to be getting it as of now. There are trials underway for these younger children. How has this impacted the differences in the COVID-19 policies between elementary schools versus the middle schools and the high schools? Yeah, I mean, this is really the crux of the issue around in-person schooling right now. Um, because the vaccine is available to older students, there is sort of this clear safety measure that those students have access to. Younger kids do not. And that, you know, in the parents and health officials that I've spoken to that are concerned about in-person schooling, it is specifically because of those younger students, how the Delta variant may affect them and the fact that if they don't have access to masks, that could create um, a space for contagion or passing of COVID-19. So uh, again, unfortunately, the actual policies are not super different because of the way that districts sort of have their hands tied in what they're allowed to tell um, to tell their staff and students that they have to do. I think some districts are strongly recommending masks um, and they're also trying to retain social distancing procedures. They're working on ventilation. So there's kind of this, this toolbox of um, toolbox of ways at elementary schools where you're going to certainly have unvaccinated students in a closed school building during like for in-person learning that they can use those things. But I think there's a kind of an open question, particularly with the way the Delta variant shows up, how effective that will be. Um, and I think it's also helpful to say like a lot of the pushback that we've seen from public health officials, from like epidemiologists, from doctors, we've also seen particularly from parents who have elementary school children um, and they're kind of sounding the alarm saying, like, I don't I want public health 
practice followed in my school. So they're the ones that I've seen leading kind of the letter writing campaigns or looking for possible lawsuits um, so far. So more than 38,000 students disappeared from the classrooms last year as COVID-19 spread through Arizona. How are the districts reaching out to bring those students back in this year? I, I really appreciate that question because I think in a lot of ways, the big question of this historical moment is going to be what happens to students who disengage from school and like what does their life and future look like um, in the coming in the coming years. So districts in Arizona have been going door to door. So they've had like teams that go out and knock to find students. I've heard of really broad campaigns to re-enroll kindergartners. So like signs on buses, ads in newspapers, on radio. Um, one thing that's really great this year is that the federal, the federal relief funding that comes to, comes to schools can be used for some of this effort. And the schools that I've talked to have already seen an uptick in pre-kindergarten and kindergarten students come back. And that's where they saw some of the, some of the biggest drops. Um, I think the big question for me will also then be how, how do high school students come back? And I'm hoping that probably in October, we're going to get data on that from the Arizona Department of Education. One of the things that we obviously experienced as, as a part of this pandemic as well is, is learning loss. And a lot of kids like mine um, spent part of their summer going to summer school or doing tutoring or you know, trying to catch up through reading lessons or YouTube videos um, over the summer. How on a real practical level are students, teachers, administrators going to be tackling this very real issue of learning loss, particularly with younger students? Yeah, I think that is such, it's a really important question. And especially because in the younger grades, when students are just learning to read, I think some gaps in some of that, some of that um, learning space can be really, can kind of have like a big impact on their on their life moving forward. So schools have also gotten a federal significant amount of federal funding that has to be put towards learning loss. So what I've seen is um, really intensive tutoring. So a lot of elementary schools or most elementary schools have not held students back. They've brought them to the next grade, but they're kind of having support staff around those students to help them with any learning gaps that they may have. Um, I think the other thing that we're seeing is social and emotional support. So a big emphasis on the fact that learning and catching up to learning or feeling good about where you are with learning is also about where students are psychologically. And after some of the disruption of this year, you know, I've talked to districts who never had counselors before who are now having a counselor in every single one of their schools. Um, and those are kind of like big picture things, but I think that they're going to be um, going to hopefully be helping students learn. And Arizona tested, did standardized testing for students last year, but a lot of those numbers are actually not going to be able to tell us what learning loss was like for students because there was just like such a wide variety of situations that students were in. So I think it might actually be a year or more until we really know um, where and how students need support. But that, that's a really big conversation in schools right now. So apart from the masking controversies and what to do about learning loss, what else have you heard from teachers and others in education about the various issues that in-person learning will bring this year? 
Yeah, I think a really big one is, will there be enough teachers to staff classrooms in Arizona when students return? So the state is had just like years and years of struggling with the teacher shortage, but I think COVID made that a lot worse in districts where teachers felt like, um, felt like they weren't physically safe or, you know, not even because of their districts, but have just felt that they cannot, for personal reasons, return to the classroom. And a recent report from Arizona State University showed that actually the biggest drop in educators and the number of educators has been in sort of support staff. So reading specialists, specialists who work particularly with bilingual students. And that is also, those are also the folks who are going to be doing the work that sort of fills in the learning gaps um, and help students who are struggling in classrooms. So that's a really sort of concerning, concerning way that those two issues are going to be meeting this fall. In talking with just parents on my street, it seems like people are either just very excited to get the kids back in school, mask or no mask. And the other group is just sort of holding their breath and just hoping that this all sort of goes as well as it possibly can in light of this Delta variant. What are you hearing on the ground with your reporting from from parents about sending their kids off this year? Yeah, I'm hearing something very similar. I feel like there's sort of these two poles um, and One group of people are like, oh, we are so happy to have some level of normality. And they're really excited for their students to get to be a ninth grader in a school for the first time this year. And sort of all those elements that we really associate with um, kind of the exciting parts of returning to school. And then I think there are a lot of parents who um, are very, feel like a lot of urgency and a lot of worry around the Delta variant and around the state's response around public safety measures. And those are some of the folks that we've seen um, become more become more vocal in recent weeks. And, and one thing that also was exciting when um, some Arizona Republic reporters went out to the first day of school at Chandler and the kids were all pretty uniformly excited. They are really, really happy to be back and they're seeing friends. They have new backpacks. And that was, I think, really exciting to see, even as some of them will be going back wearing wearing masks. Well, I've got a nine-year-old who is also looking forward to going back to school. Yana, thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, be sure to follow her reporting by going to azcentral.com and clicking local. Yana, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, my Twitter handle is at Yanazurs, that's Y-A-N-A-Z-U-R-E, or you can email me at ykunichop at arizonarepublic.com. All right, that is it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Also be sure to check out Valley 101, an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com podcast that answers all of your questions about the Valley. From silly to serious, you get to ask the questions and we find the answers. For The Gaggle, I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. We'll see you next week.